Hey, I'm Pastor Steve Holt. I want to empower you today to walk in your true identity as a worshiper and warrior. Today, embrace the power of God's Word and the Holy Spirit. Welcome to the Born for War podcast. Uh, so nine years ago, I was a uh, pastor of a church here in Colorado Springs, and I just finished a seminar on spiritual warfare, which is ironic, and uh, came down this mezzanine at the church, and this uh, man met me there, and he, he looked distressed, he looked somber, he looked sad, and I thought maybe something happened to, to my family, like a car accident or, or some uh, emergency, but he wouldn't tell me. He said, what, what? And he would say, come, come to your office. So I came into my office, there were three other elders. These were all elders of the church. And uh, they then began to explain to me about how poor my leadership was and mistakes that I'd made and my pride, my arrogance, and on and on. And basically to say that I was being put on a forced six-month sabbatical. And I then uh, went home, and I shared as best as I could remember, because I, I couldn't remember everything they said. I, I was just shocked. I was totally blindsided. And uh, so I came and tried to explain it to Liz. Let me just tell you, if you don't have a good explanation for some big change that you want to bring in my wife's life, you're in big trouble. <laughs> and uh, Liz was not buying it, and I, I felt this deep, I, I felt two things. I felt, on the one hand, deeply betrayed by the men that I trusted. And number two, I felt deeply ashamed and humiliated by what they were saying to me. And so, I was broken. And over the next four months, I went through a deep sense of depression deep sense of loneliness in my life. And if you saw the movie Forrest Gump, you remember where he, Jenny had come back to him, they had rekindled their love for each other and had an idyllic night. And then the next day, uh, early in the morning, a taxi drove up and Jenny drove away again. And the next scene, Forrest is on the porch in a rocker in that southern house there in Alabama. And he's got on his Nike shoes, and he puts on his, his shrimp hat, Bubba Gump, was it Bubba Gump shrimp or something like that. And then he just starts running. Remember, he just runs down the road. And then the, the voiceover says, I don't really have any particular reason, but I just started running. And then he runs, you know, five times across the United States, if you remember that, and, and it chronicles that. Well, one morning I woke up during this time, and I just put on some boots, put on a hat, and started walking and walking. And, and for no particular reason, I just started walking. I've never been a big walker. I've def definitely never been a runner. And so I just walked, and I walked, and for over a thousand days, I never missed a day. I walked two to ten miles a day, and I cried out to God. And the humiliation and the shame was so heavy on me. And some days I'd be convicted of something, and I would call that person, and I'd go to them, and I'd repent of something that I had said or done. 
Sometimes I, one particular day, the only time this ever happened to me before or since, I actually thought things would be better if I wasn't here. That's pretty low. Some of you have gone that low before. And I rebuked that demon. If it was a demon, I don't know. But that darkness came over me and it lifted. But it was in that time that I began to read books, study, pray. And God began to do a transformation in my heart that I'll share in just a moment. And Liz has been through it too. <laughs> well, don't I... Tell, don't tell them anything about what you said when I came back from that meeting. <laughs> I'm only kidding. <laughs> okay. Um, well, our setbacks can become a setup. And I had an interesting week, um, the week last Valentine's, and I call it my Holy Week of Love. But first, let me just give you a little background. So I've been a stay-at-home mom and loved helping my kids do stuff, enjoyed that. Um, I be, I've become here at the road the, the children's director, so all my buds at the church were like four feet and under for a while. And when the women's director position came open, Steve said, would you do that? And I said, okay, I'll pray about it, and I felt led to do that. So it was a new experience, though, for me, even though I'm 62. It was brand new. And so I'm bumping along, trying to figure it out, learning. I'm thinking, it's going okay. So about February 13th, someone tells me that some people or someone never knew who it was, and if it was you, I totally forgive you, said... <laughs> when are we going to get the real woman's director? <laughs> and can we get some applications out? Ooh, that one out. hurts, man. <laughs> I, was, I was like, whoa. And I was about to teach a series. And I felt so unconfident then. I'm like, am I not legitimate? So I, I decided I need to share with Steve what happened. And I said, you know, you can fire me anytime. And I'll still cook your dinner and all that. So, so he, he was like, okay. And then I shared it with our team at the road because I trust them. And they're my blood-stained allies. And I just said, this is what's happening to me. Can you pray for me? And, you know, that was – vulnerability isn't easy for someone who already feels insecure. But it was so healing to just say, here it is. It's just out there. Um, and so – I was thinking about this, and I was thinking, well, I'm about to teach a series. So what do I need to do? I, I saw two options. One, hustle and prove that they're wrong or quit. And by Friday of that, of that week, February 17th, the Lord showed up and said, I have a different option for you. And it's called partnership with a great God. So what happened was I was having a dream, sleep, whatever. I don't even know what it was. And I woke up and I saw this glowing entity in my, in my mind. And I'd been focusing on a passage. And it says, when I consider your heavens, this is Psalm 8, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained. What is man that you are mindful of him and that you would visit him? 
Well, I felt like God's visiting me as I was laying there in my bed. And the glow came out as hands. And I heard the Lord say on my mind, in my heart, do you understand that my fingers are larger than the universe? Can you picture that? When we go out, we see this vast sky, and we're like, wow. But he said, my fingers are bigger than the whole universe. And I was thinking, I, I, I actually was, was trembling, and I was so joyful. I'm like, I'm so glad you're that big, but I'm scared you're that big. And he kind of said, you know, you kind of think of me as the Lincoln statue on the Lincoln Memorial. That's how big you think I am but it's so much more. And I was stunned. And I said, you know what? I can partner with you. And he said, I want you to. And you know, that's for all of us. He is so great and so big. And he will partner with us in this life. And so people-pleasing fell into partnership with this great, amazing God. Amen. And so and I in got my so life, <laughs> you know, I think we all go through setbacks. We all go through hardships. And I think the biggest lesson that I learned through that four-month period that then led to 40 nights of prayer that led to the road being planted was to live wholeheartedly. That God's called us to live a wholehearted life. Let me give you a definition. Let me give you a definition of a wholehearted life. And that's really the theme of the road. If we, could, if we could boil it down and we talk about a kingdom of God revolution, we talk about empowering people to change the world. That's our vision and mission statement. But the rubric over it all is the wholehearted life. Living the wholehearted life. Let me give you a quick definition of what I think that is. Living with your total heart engaged in relationships, failures, breakdowns, but not quitting. Rather, daring to try again and again, even with the shame and the pain of your past. So the only picture I can think is two pictures. I think of someone summiting, getting to the top of the hill and, you know, and standing there. They summited the mountain. Or the other is a guy in a boxing ring who gets knocked down, gets back up again, gets knocked down, gets up again. Sometimes even has to go to the corner and get damage control from his trainers, but he goes back out again. It's the second. The wholehearted life is not summiting. The wholehearted life is getting knocked down again and again, but getting back up and not being willing to quit. And so on those walks... And those times of the Lord, God began to remind me of the calling on Liz and I, way back when we were in Okinawa, that he had called us to Colorado Springs. And that calling had not changed. And I mean, I needed to work on a ton of stuff, and many of you that have been a part, some of you in this room were with me in the very, very beginning. You know the kind of stuff I've had to deal with. But in so doing, I became wholehearted. I began to realize it's okay to carry the shame and the pain. It's not okay to hide in it, but it's okay to recognize it as part of the journey, the road less traveled that God has us on. And that's where we got the term, the road. It came from the road less traveled. So let me say this. Breakdowns 
can lead to breakthroughs. Breakdowns can lead to breakthroughs, and that's what happened in Liz's case. That's what happened in my case nine years ago, and you're going to go through a lot of breakdowns, not just one. There's going to be many breakdowns in our life. It's how we process the breakdown that either leads to further breakdown or breakthrough into the new life of wholeheartedness that God has for you. So when Liz and I were talking about this today, wanting to present to you who we are at the road, we came up with what would I think in a sort of an autopsy of these kind of situations that we go through, there's three questions. There's three questions that you have to ask. So here's the first question. If you want the wholehearted life, here's the first question. Who is going to lead your life? Who is going to lead your life? Is it you? Are you the boss? Or is God the leader and God the boss? So turn in your Bibles to one of the most noble challenges ever given in Matthew 6. Look at Matthew 6. And Jordan Peterson, a noted clinical psychologist who would, would at least he hasn't publicly said he's a Christian, says this verse. In the Bible is the most noble, most challenging, most powerful phrase ever given to humankind. And that's coming from someone who's not a churchgoer or a Christian. H.G. Wells, the great writer, said when he read this verse, this is the most radical proposal ever made to humankind. So Matthew 6, 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Let me read it again. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. In other words, who's going to be in charge of you? You're going to aim at something. Everybody in this room aims. For some, it's wealth. For some, it's reputation. For some, it's having a great family. For some, it's being happy. But who's going to lead your life? What are you aiming for? And I propose to you that I had to grapple with that at that time. Who's my boss? Is my boss the elders of this church? Or is the boss Jesus Christ, and I'm still under him, and I'm going to serve him wherever he takes me? Under whatever circumstances there are, I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then God will line up the other stuff. If I'll make the primary, my primary, he'll take care of the secondary. So at this church, I'm not the senior pastor. Jesus is the senior pastor, capital S, capital P. I'm the senior pastor, small s, small p. But he's the boss, and he's the one who leads this church. And I think whenever we go through a breakdown, you have to ask, who's in charge? And then surrender fully to him. One thing I like to do every day is to think about Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, and then onward. And when we admit that God's our shepherd, that means we're a sheep. And we need care. We need guidance. And I love to start my day right there. And what's so interesting about Psalm 23 is that shepherd, the word shepherd has the nuance of companion. 
God is our companion and wants to walk with us. Mm. And it says, you know, I shall not want. That means I'm not going to fear that I'm going to experience lack or I'm not going to experience decrease or I'm not going to experience emptiness. Because aren't we all afraid of those things? Mm -hmm. But God said, I'm going to take care of that if you let me be your shepherd and you'll follow. And then there's another cool verse in that psalm that we all maybe heard so many times. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. What I love about that word follow, it doesn't mean it trails you. It means those things, goodness and kindness, they're going to chase you down. That's what it means. Mm. Isn't that cool? That all we have to do is say, you're my shepherd. I'm going where you lead me. And you're going to enjoy that day better. And I know I have. So I've loved that. So daring to live the wholehearted life is who's in charge. But then secondly, the question to ask is who is the person you want to become? Things don't happen to us. Things happen for us. Been through any hardship lately? Been through any difficulties lately? It's a test. It's a test from the Lord. And James who I think probably really understood this because he was, he was the brother of Jesus, the half-brother of Jesus, said, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Don't you hate that verse? <laughs> I think the only way you can count it all joy when you go through various trials is not because you're excited about the trial, but you're excited about what God's doing in you through the trial. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, comma, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, or some translations say endurance, but let patience or endurance have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete and lacking in nothing. So see, God allowed what happened in my life. God allowed what happened in Liz's life recently because he was perfecting us. He was chipping away at Steve and Liz. Our pride, our arrogance, our self-sufficiency. And so those walks, those times with the Lord during that period, having to be reminded by God of how I'd hurt someone And then getting in my truck and driving to their house and apologizing. Or realizing that I made this decision without consulting the Lord and having to ask for forgiveness from the Lord. And so God's in this process of changing us and transforming us and chipping away at us through hardship and difficulties. So I've had a trial or two that have lasted some years. Anybody relate to that? And occasionally, I will go have a little conference with the Lord, and I'll just say, I can't believe you're still allowing these things. And he said, you don't want to be perfect, complete, lacking in nothing? And I was like, and he said, are you better because you have these trials in your life? Are you becoming better? And I had to say yes. And I was like, you are working something in this. I don't believe God wants us to experience hurt and evil. I personally don't believe that. And I believe it comes from a different source. And and it's a, a source that starts with a capital S. 
But I think that he uses that. He allows it. And then he, the crushing of our lives produces something beautiful. And we got to embrace our hard times and say, I'm becoming better, and I will become better. And I think we're stewards of hard times. How are you going to steward your trial? Are you going to trust God? Are you going to see the character that he wants to build in you? And for me, I've always dealt with wanting to be important, feeling like I'm not important. Well, I love that God is chipping that away and he's, he's healing the wound. And I want to be just fully available to what he says. And then I don't have to worry how important I am to all of you. It's freeing, isn't it? And you know, that's where we want to go. We don't want to live for other people. We want to live for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I just want to end this little part with a story. So I got to lead a friend of mine who's in their 90s to the Lord recently. And this person has blocked out God from that person's life. They blocked out God. And they've done pretty much everything they wanted to do. And so at the end of their days, because there's illness and there's physical problems, I said, are you ready to meet your creator? And that person had to say no. And I said, well, let's get you ready. And so we did. But that person will never get to know the creator because they didn't let him into their lives. And now they need, this person needs the creator. And you know, naked we come into this world and naked we're going out. So what are we becoming in the middle of all that? Mm -hmm. That is huge. Yeah. So I would take these long walks nine years ago and one day I came back to the house and there was a guy sitting at my fire pit. And I said, what's up, man? And I barely knew this guy. I didn't know him very well from the church, just a little bit. But he said, well, I just wanted you to know that our small group is really praying every day for you and Liz and the whole family, and we really care about you. And we don't know exactly what's going on with the elders, but um, we stand with you. And I lost it. And then as the days went by, I would come back, and probably three days a week, there'd be a group of guys at the fire pit, ready to be my friend, ready to listen ready to care. And we coined this term that many of you know at the road, blood-stained allies. These became Liz and I's blood-stained allies. Who will you hang out with? That's the third question. Who will be your blood-stained ally? Who are you going to hang out with in the dark times? It's really important because you become like those people whom you hang out with. And I'd give you three thoughts on that. One is they have to be people who you can be vulnerable with, where you can share your shame, the shame caves of your life where the light hasn't shone before, but you're carrying the pain and the shame of those issues of your past that maybe nobody knows about. But to be set free into wholeheartedness, to break the power of half-heartedness, Men and women, you've got to go there. Or you, well, you don't have to go there. But if you want to be wholehearted in all that God wants you to be, I would challenge you to say you have to go there. 
vulnerable, but then powerful. They've got to be men and women who have a conviction in the miraculous, working power of Christ to transform you. They're not just good listeners, but they're also people who can speak into your life the power of the gospel. And then thirdly, they have, and I'll give you a, a term that I learned way back when I was a kid, and I don't even know if it's a real word, but it's stick to We need men and women in our life, same gender, who have stick to They'll stick with you. They won't cut and run. They're going to be there for you. And so, who's going to guide your life? What kind of person do you want to become? And who are you going to hang out with? Well, this God of the universe has made all of you so special. If we were to connect the coding, the DNA coding, just, that's just in one person, linearly, the coding would go to the earth and sun and back 61 times. That's how much God has thought about you. That's how much God cares about you. It says that he has a multitude of thoughts about you. And now that I've seen this thing in the, in, in the sky with his hands, I'm like, I can see how he could do it. He's so big that he would think a multitude of thoughts about all of you and about me. And we have our calling right here. We have our purpose right here. It's not about tomorrow. It's about today. How are we going to live today? How are we going to live out what he's put in us? Think about all that investment that he's made in our lives. And we need to link arms and help each other connect to this designer mm -hmm. who can lead us into our purposes. Right. We need to help each other do that. We need to not compare anymore. We need to not say, I want to be like this person, or I want to be like that person. I want to be like me. I want to find the true me so I can do the purposes God has for me. Because you know what? If I don't do them, no one else can. And same with you. And so at the women's ministry and at the men's ministry, we want to help you connect to the best of our ability with the designer who can lead us into the future with so much victory and power. And so when David says, um, I look on God's people as the excellent ones, you're all excellent. And we want to help you and we want to be helped by you to get to that point where we say, I have an excellent creator, I am excellent, and I have an excellent purpose. So on September 12th, the wholehearted women start meeting. Liz will be teaching at that. And then why don't you share also about yeah. Sunday morning? Yeah. And so September 12th, we start a series called The Holy Spirit Homeward Journey. We're all going here. home. That's in this room. And we have a special speaker in this room. Otto Bixler is going to join us for one of those. Otto, will you stand up? Otto is an amazing speaker on kind of the blocks we have to intimacy. And he led a class that I took that was amazing, and it was on Freemasonry, and it was amazing. So thank you, Otto, and I'm glad you get to join us in that. That was so freeing for me. So um, we're doing that series. We're also teaching in the morning, and it's on becoming a woman of authority. So we'd love to get more information you to define, you. Are you going to define what is a woman? Because we're really wondering. <laughs> well, I have nine seconds, so probably not. 
<laughs> no, 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 not here, in oh. your class. Are you going to define a woman? I'll tell you later. <laughs> Our time's up. Um, okay, so and so wholehearted men, most of you guys all know that, is Tuesday mornings at 6 a.m. I've come for that. That's a powerful time. We do a lot of great stuff there. I'm gonna, we just finished uh, my book, so we're going to start a new series. And um, so that's coming up. So you're going to leave in just a second to go look at all the different ministries, but I just, I had to, I had to read this. A young child asked her mother where people came from. She answered that God created Adam and Eve and placed them in a garden, and then everyone else was their descendants. The girl then asked the same question to her dad. He told her that people came from monkeys through various evolutionary stages. Confused, she went back to her mom and told her what dad had said. And then she said, oh, I was telling you about my side of the family, and your dad was talking about his. Thank you for listening to the Born for War podcast. We hope today's message has empowered you to make a difference in your world. To connect with Pastor Steve's sermons, books, and blog, visit steveholtonline.org. God bless.